out there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. All right, let's rock and roll, boys and girls. Stevie Slapshot in charge on a Friday afternoon here on AM 1400 KSHP with the Vegas Hockey Hotline. Uh, Brian out running an errand uh, for the missus, making her happy. Always good to keep the wife happy. And uh, in with me this afternoon, Chris Wynn. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. Fired up to uh, talk little pucks with uh, Stevie Slapshot here live on a Friday. Well, there you go. Yeah. And, and off a win, 6-2. to we two? did come off a win. Of course, we talked about uh, this yesterday, right? Yeah. We mentioned it. The Brian Blessing, Chris Wynn. Uh, Thursday night hockey tilt from Motown and uh, Little Caesars Arena as the Red Wings get this 6-2 win over Brian's Buffalo Sabres. I'm not going to go too crazy about it, Stevie. Look, you know, it's preseason, but hey, still. A win's know, a win. A little, little bit of bragging rights, not going to lie to you. A win's a win and you're one bit. up on blessing already. Exactly, yeah. One, one in the hole for you. Well done, sir. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what are you, your thoughts on the Red Wings? There's some good young talent there, right? And and Iserman, who who built Tampa, we're, we're, you know, Red Wing fans are hoping he can come in and do the same in Detroit. No question about it. Obviously, Steve Iserman is an iconic figure in Detroit. He's an iconic figure in the NHL history, to yeah. be quite honest with you. He's mentioned along with the greats, as rightfully so. And uh, with all that storied history there in Detroit, and of course, he was a big part of that that team that that went on that run. You know, twenty six straight playoff appearances. The Red Wings, you know, for all intents and purposes, were the gold standard in the NHL through much of the 90s and into the early 2000s. And then, uh, obviously, it's been a rebuilding process, to say the least, here in the past, what, five, six seasons on the back end of Ken Holland, who was, you know, who was real. Look, Ken Holland, he deserves a lot of credit. He does. He was a big part of the architect of of those teams back mm-hmm. in the 90s and in the two, early 2000s. And But it, was, it wasn't a uh, ceremonious departure let's put it that way from Detroit and and we understand that uh Red Wings fans are a lot like hockey fans they're a lot like Golden Knights fans they're a lot like hockey fans period we we always like that shiny new object when it comes to the hockey executive and that's exactly what Steve Eiserman is you know coming out of his playing career you mentioned it his his tenure down there with the Tampa Bay Lightning it's uh I look at I look at his tenure with the Tampa Bay Lightning much like I look at Tony Dungy's when he was the head coach in Tampa Bay, right? Mm-hmm. And then John Gruden came and ends up being the head coach. Right. Gruden gets the credit because he won the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> but that was Tony Dungy's it was team. Tony and Dungy's team. Yeah, that's kind of the way I feel about about the situation with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Steve Eisenman was the guy that built that team, and right. you know, obviously back to back Stanley Cup champions now. And so Red Wings fans and those you know and, and Detroit Red Wing faithful in Michigan expect Steve Eiserman to have that standard and to to get them back to where they were. It's the ceremonious thing where, you know, you had the the captain of the team, the guy that was you know, was a huge cog in those great championship years. Now he's back as an executive and you you have that expectation, right? That they're gonna be able to get him back to that level. 
And so uh, there's 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 a lot of uh, positivity in Detroit, regardless of uh, the past three or four seasons, which has been pretty bare, right? They've yeah. been in the basement, basically, of the NHL and trying to make an emergence back to where they expect to be and where they want to be mentioned among and, and being considered Stanley Cup contenders moving forward. So they have some nice young talent. From uh, Pius Suter, they drafted uh, a kid who uh, is already making is already making uh, steps towards that. Uh, 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 this kid, this kid Cider, also they drafted a, another young kid, and then they got uh, some veterans on this team too. They got some guys, you know, they got the Robbie Fabries, right, who played in St. Louis, and now he's back. Now he's in Detroit. Uh, they have some other pieces there that are veterans, guys that uh, that can that can add to it. So it's absolutely a um, an interesting situation, and. To go back to uh, to Kenny Holland, and we were talking about this, Stevie, before the show. Kenny Holland now moves on, right, to yeah. the Edmonton Oilers. Obviously, the Oilers in the Vegas Golden Knights division. And uh, I don't know. I mean, how would you analyze Ken Holland and what he's trying to do with the Edmonton Oilers? Because this is, without question, a team that's going to be able to put the puck in the net. Yeah. But there's other aspects of the game that need to be considered, right? I don't know what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Here's a team that, that needs defensemen and needs goaltending, and he does nothing in the offseason to improve that. Right. I mean, he, he re-signs Mike Smith for crying out loud when there were you know 10 to 15 you know guys out there. Uh, Seattle picks up Drager. Right. I, I love Chris Drager in Florida. You know, maybe that's a guy that will help you in Edmonton. I, I, I don't, you know... Nothing against Mike Smith necessarily, but why, why, why go for the old veteran who, you know, again, getting older? And what, what did he do the last couple of seasons? He didn't help Edmonton win anything the last couple of seasons. Why sign up for him again when there's other options out there? And again, and no defenseman brought in that's going to help him in, in my eyes. So they're going to score a lot of goals. They're also going to give up a lot of goals in Edmonton. Yeah, make no mistake about it, right? When you watch Edmonton Oilers games this year, it's going to be a lot of 6-4, type yeah. of tilts going on. Yeah. And uh, there was evidence of that, obviously, on Tuesday night when they played Seattle. And uh, they boat raced them. You know, they get, they get the 6 nothing win. But, uh, you know, in the NHL, you've got to be able to stop teams. You know, you, have to, you, can't, you can't just be one-dimensional. And end up being a Stanley Cup champion. They just, it just, especially in, in uh, 2021 NHL hockey. So we'll see exactly how the uh, Edmonton Oilers actually handle that whole situation. Take a pause a little bit here. Brian and I mm-hmm. talked about this uh, in the, the past two hours and uh, a couple of segments. I wanna, but I yeah. want to get your thoughts yeah. on what October 1 means to you here in Las Vegas. Uh, no question. Obviously, uh, the most horrific and, uh, and, and, and uh, the most brutal. Uh, shooting in American history, right? Mass shooting mm-hmm. in American history. And it happens here in, in, in our town. I've been here for 18 years. And obviously this is something that you would not wish upon any city across the, the country or across the, the world for that matter. Uh, it was a horrendous day. It was one of those situations, and I'm sure, Stevie, you're, you uh, would concede with me that uh, you remember exactly what you were doing and, and – uh, we happen to be very close to it, right? Yeah. Yourself, you were on you were on the Las Vegas trip at the at the uh, actual exhibition game for the for the Vegas Golden Knights. Myself, I was actually working at the Palazzo Hotel Oof. at the time, and there was a lot of uh, just question marks. There was a lot of uncertainty, right? Because when something like that happens, 
it's uh, it's it's just you, you don't know if, if there's going to be a continuation of it. You don't know. I mean, basically, there were hotels that were getting locked down, right. establishments getting shut, you know, uh, because we just didn't know if that was the end of it. We didn't know exactly the details of what was going on. But no question, it was just horrific beyond all belief because you and I, all of us as Las Vegans, we are absolutely could have been there, right? We have been in those situations. We have been on the Las Vegas Strip at events, whether it's at concerts, whether it's at games, whether it's at, you know, all, all types of public outings. And so for something like that, as random as that was to happen, I think it shook up a lot of us. And it, it just gave us a reality check, really, of what went down. And then uh, you, you coincide that with the Vegas Golden Knights, right? Their first ever season. And so you had that weird, you know, obviously very, you know, uh, poignant uh, collision, right? Where you had uh, people were, were just, just so pumped up to have the first ever Major League Sports franchise here. And then you have this horrible event. And I have to say, I got to be quite honest with you. I thought the way that the Vegas Golden Knights organization, and by the way, a number of organizations across Las Vegas from a community standpoint handled it tremendously, right? And the Knights were part of that. Right. And the Knights were a big part of, uh, of, of I don't, know, I don't know if, even know if healing is the right word, right? Because there are hundreds of people that were injured in this. Obviously, 60 people lost their lives, 58 people on that day, two more people from, you know, from, resulting from mm-hmm. it later on. And then there was you know, over almost 500 people, I believe, that were injured. So we're talking about uh, hundreds of people that are going to be affected and, and hundreds more of family members who are going to be forever impacted by that day. So it was, but, but, I will say, but you have to say, the Vegas Golden Knights as an organization, they handled it great. We all remember, obviously, the speech made by Derek Englund on the ice with the, uh, you know, the numerous tributes afterwards that took place. And then, and then uh, and, and look, we, we, a lot of times when these situations happen, whether it's 9-11, whether it's, you know, the Route 91 harvest shooting here in Vegas, whether it's any mass shooting or any tragic event, there is an effort made to move on, right, and to continue life and progress. And, and, and Las Vegas as a town, we did that. As a community, we did that. And the Golden Knights were absolutely part of that, and they, and they did do their part when it came to that. The Knights were, and I think a big reason for that, Chris, mm. was, was George McPhee, who was in Washington when 9-11 happened. Mm. And so I think he, he knew how you, he dealt with that, and that community dealt with that. And so he wanted to help Vegas through this. And he was, and look, I, I have my issues with George McPhee and some of the things he does and the way the organization is run. But mad props to George McPhee for all that he did in, in leading the Knights, uh, you know, to help Vegas through this. I, you're right. Yeah. It, it's not healing is probably it's not a tough right, word, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know if I even want to use that. Yeah. It's, it's more of a... But they helped us through it. They're trying to make, a, make progress and through it, right, and deal with it in a way because, because there are just hundreds, hundred, like I said, hundreds and thousands of families that are forever going to be impacted, right? And uh, some people terminally impacted because they lost their lives, obviously. So it's one of those things that uh, you... Uh, I'm proud as a Las Vegas to see how the community handled it, and obviously I'm, I'm very proud of a lot of organizations, and the Vegas Golden Knights are one of them. The way that they approached it and the way that they handled it I thought was, was excellent as well, too. And then you get into the hockey part of it, right, where, and Brian and yourself talk about this all the time on Vegas Hockey Hotline, it was a storybook season, okay? 
you and I have been hockey fans for a long time. I obviously I follow you know an original six team. I can't even imagine being a, a an expansion franchise, Stevie, and you go out there and you make the Stanley Cup Finals. And oh, by the way, every season since they have been relevant and have been a playoff team. It is outrageous. Yeah. Okay, it is craziness. It is wacky and it is unprecedented. And so. You know, it's it's kind of funny because we talk about this all the time, right? What is Seattle going to be able to hold the standard, right? Is Seattle going to be able to do it? It's just I, to me, I think it's just an impossible, you know, uh, possibility. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't even see how that could even even happen. Obviously, you know, from the circumstances, from the you know the Route ninety one harvest shooting to you know the fact that Seattle's had numerous professional major league franchises it's not like you know the the kraken are coming in and it's like oh we don't we don't have any idea you know how to deal with having a, a major league franchise here not the case you know they've had they've had numerous ones and including i believe they had an angel I'm off the top of my head i'm thinking they, did they have an angel franchise i think they might have for a short period of time back in the i want to say in this maybe e- maybe not echl yeah echl yeah. but either way the point being is that you know it's not the same scenario that that Vegas was or that Columbus was, you know, where you you didn't have a team before. You right. know, you didn't have a major league team. And so that that's a different standpoint that they're coming from. So Seattle, look, I mean, I, I are they going to be the worst team in the league? I don't think so. No. But but they're not going but but to even imagine that they would have any, you know, a semblance of success the way that the Vegas Golden Knights yeah. did Won't in their happen. first season, I think would be crazy. Right? Yeah, it, not, not only just the first season, when, when you think, I, I got to keep reminding myself of this, Chris, because <laughs> it's unbelievable. The first four years of this franchise, if not for one horrible call, go to the conference final every single year. Stevie, don't get me started on that game. <laughs> I had action on that game. I had Sorry. the under in that game. I had the Vegas Golden Knights in that game. And I was absolutely... Just fuming and just, I, I almost destroyed my TV in my house when that when that call was made. But so yeah, so that was my rant on that. But, yeah, but but yeah, absolutely for right. that call. I mean, they every every single season they have made they have been a team that could have won the Stanley Cup. I mean, yeah. they were they were they, I mean they were in the conversation. Okay, you can you can make a determination. You know whether you're a hockey expert or not, or whether you're just a, a fan. That uh, whether or not that you know they they and, and look they didn't do it they they went you know went to the finals obviously against the Capitals and lost and in, and then in subsequent playoffs series and seasons there have been circumstances that presented themselves where they didn't win right so um, and they ran into just better hockey clubs but the point being is that it, it just just the fact that they've been in the mix and talked about. The, with the what the reality we thought was going to be right Correct. was that. They were going to be, you know, either run of the mill, uh, below average, right? But Coming sure. out as an expansion—that's the expectation, sure. right? Is that they're not going? Is there they're not even going to be not even be thought of? And the question was, you know, what's the support like going to be here in Vegas? Because it's, you know, it's look, it's it's. We Vegas. saw what happened with the Rebels. We and UNLV, yeah. UNLV. This is a town that loves their winners, yes, right? Correct. They love their the it, when if their teams are winning, it's all glorious yeah. and it's all sunshines and rainbows. When they're not, yeah. that's not the case. And so that was a lot of the discussion going sure. into 2017 was what, if this team is going to be, you know, look, we, we knew this, it was going to be the, the shiny new penny in town, and it was going, and, and people were still going to, look, the place is going to be sold out regardless because it's the first opportunity, especially for, for fans of other teams, right? Correct. I'm not, myself and others 
uh, and uh, and yourself and Brian talk about it, like myself and Clay Baker and and Brian and a lot of us here who are Michigan natives and who are Detroit natives. And re- that first game was just weird, Stevie. Yeah. The first game with the Red Wings in town playing on the Las Vegas Strip in an NHL game. I, I never thought in my lifetime that would be something that I would be right. uh, a part of or be able to experience. And you, you multiply that by every other sure. NHL fan around the country that was able to come that first year and watch a game at, you know, at T-Mobile Arena down there. So uh, I, I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but the point being is that th- we just did not expect this type of success. And so, uh, and Brian talked about this yesterday, by the way, too. That's why the expectations are so high. Right. Yeah. That's why now it's not even an expansion team anymore. It's not an expansion team anymore, and it has been for two years. But the point being is that there's, you know, there is there is a thought process now that you know, okay, this team has talent. All right, we, we're past the whole expansion phase thing. Now it's time to go out and actually win a Stanley Cup. And if you don't, the criticism coming your way is rightfully so, you know, going to come your way. And and that's the case right now with the Vegas Golden Knights. And it's a completely different team now, Chris. Fleury's mm-hmm. gone. Yeah. You know, Nate Schmidt's gone. Ryan Reeves is gone. Uh, so th- it's – how do I word this? Some of the fun is kind of gone, but the expectations are still there. And I, a workmanlike attitude that sometimes will win you games, but I, I, I don't know what to expect this year. Do you, do you have any feeling for what this – now, look, they're in this division – Right, they're they're right. they're, they're going to win games. They're going to be a playoff team, and then like, how far do they go? And uh, again, the question is going to be: Can they score goals in the playoffs? That's that's been the bugaboo, I think, over the last uh, three or four years uh, with this team. What well, what do you have any feeling for what this team is going to be like this year? Well, VGK fans are going to be happy because, as you talked about, because things are it's back to a regular type schedule, right? In the mm-hmm. NHL, you're playing. You're playing the 80 plus games. You're going to be you're going to be making the normal road trips. You're going to be playing you know a, a lion's share of your games in the division. So that's a good thing for the Vegas Golden Knights because they are, in my opinion, uh, along with you know maybe the likes of Edmonton, they're going to be the be- one of the best teams in the division right. and one of the best teams in the conference too right. as well. Yeah. So my focus, like yours, has been, and I've heard you mention this on the show many times. I've heard Brian talk. It's it's almost like the regular season is just the warm up, right. right? I mean, there's. It's going to be great because it's pomp and circumstance of Vegas. We know how we know the atmosphere around this city about Las Vegas and the, and how they support their team and and the excitement for every single game during the season. That's kind of extraordinary to me too. Is as, as someone who who's transplanted from the Midwest and from Michigan and Red Wingness, you know, and Red Wing stuff, and then moving out here and seeing how how the fans here react to the Vegas Golden Knights and how. People have been so passionate and have learned the game, and are you know are actually you know fans who are knowledgeable, which I think is important when it comes to the NHL and when it comes to hockey. Period. And I I've enjoyed that very much, and I enjoy the the fact that uh, people just get pumped. I mean, people are fired up in this town anytime the Vegas Golden Knights hit the ice. Obviously, especially in the regular season, right, and in the playoffs. So the regular season is going to be what it's been. I think the last four years, it's going to be people are be excited. The Golden Knights will win games. They're going to be one of the best teams, uh, if not the best team in the in the division, and one of the best in the West. Now we move on to the playoffs, as you just pointed out. That's where it, you know the rubber's going to meet the road, right, mm-hmm. Stevie? That's where Pete DeBoer is going to get judged. That's where 
The, that's where, you know, Mark Stone, Pacioretty, Riley Smith, Jonathan Marshall. So go down the line. Some of the younger guys, Alex Tuck, you know, and uh, some of the other guys that are going to be, you know, stepping in. And some of the guys that they brought in, too. You know, it, that's where they're, they're, they're going to make their bones, okay? And that's where, when it comes to nationwide and uh, North American-wide, obviously, because of Canada, this, this is where they're going to be judged and, and be respected on that level. So, to me, it is about the playoffs. And we can, we can dance around, and, we, and, we're gonna, we're, and look, we're going to analyze every game, and we're going to talk about it, and we're going to go into it. And we can even talk about the game last night. You know, they played the Kings. They, uh, it's Robin Leonard's first game in, in the preseason. Look, it's the preseason. No one's going to go nuts, okay, because Robin Leonard, you know, uh, gave up a, a couple goals. But, it's like, but still, you know, it is what we do. You know, we, we, fi- we follow this team, and we analyze it. And that will happen throughout the regular season. But uh, when it's all said and done, it's going to come down to those months in early spring and if they can actually get the ring and, uh, and possibly be the second team maybe in Vegas that gets the ring because there's a possibility that the Aces could get it, you know, here in this postseason. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's the bottom line right now because that's the way they're judged, right, Stevie? That's the way they are viewed. It's no longer, you know, oh, yeah, they're just the new kid on the block coming in and – it's just, uh, oh, wow, it's super cool, and it's wild, and it's crazy that they were able to be this good. That's not the viewpoint anymore. Now mm-hmm. there is a standard, right? There yeah. is an expectation. They're there is supposed a to go deep They're supposed the to do this. Every year. They're supposed to knock off teams like the Oilers and the Avalanche and the Minnesota Wild in the playoffs and advance and go and then, and then be a team that can knock off you know, a Tampa Bay Lightning or a Boston Bruins, or a, you know, a, obviously Washington Capitals, some, a, you know, a Pittsburgh Penguins. They're supposed to do that now, and so that's the expectation level. And I think that is why this, and, and that sets the standard right now here and in well, Vegas. And now the standard is so high, high, Chris. It's not even that they're supposed to do that. It's how they do it. If they if they lose a game six to nothing, there's outrage mm-hmm. in town, right? You can't do that. You you better you know d- destroy the opposition, or there's questions. Oh, there's no doubt that there'd be outrage if there's losses like that yeah. in that fashion. Yeah, and uh, and that goes with, that goes out saying throughout the NHL period for any fans. But uh, yeah, there's but look, we 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 want to see this. T- look I, I, again, as someone who, who who's covered the team since its inception, basically, uh, I'm not a fan of the team, but I you know I don't want to I, I want to see them do well. And as someone who is a Las Vegan, I think it would be outstanding for the city of Las Vegas for the community, if the Golden Knights, you know, could raise the Stanley Cup. And it would be obvious. And from a sports story standpoint, it'd be outstanding, right? As someone who does sports radio for a living and has an opportunity to, to talk about this, day, you know, day in and day out, I think it'd be great. But uh, they have to get it done. You know, you have to actually go out there and, and, uh, and show results. And it can't, you can't just talk about it. You can't just speculate about it. And you can't, you know, you can't, uh, you know, Say, oh well, there's there's no such thing as moral victories, right? We we talk about moral victories a lot in sports, and uh, they're not really worth the paper they're printed on because they're not even pa- printed on paper. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. uh, it's not even about that. It's about it's about results, and uh, and it. I think the Golden Knights want it that way. I mean, George McPhee and McCrimmon and you know and and the brass over that's the way they they want to be viewed as a legitimate franchise, you know, and a, and a contender every single season. 
I think they're set up this year with the top six, one, one, yeah. one of the better top six in the league. Uh, Leonard on ice, a very good goaltender. I don't think we're going to see a, a big drop-off there. Um, I'm, I'm a flurry guy, but I don't think we're going to see a big drop-off there. The defense in front of him, very, very good. I think the, 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 the real question, not, not necessarily a question mark, Chris, but I think this team goes as far as the bottom six takes them. We've seen in the playoffs Montreal last year with their fourth line. When, when St. Louis won the Cup, their fourth line a big. But Smith Pelly for Washington when they beat uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Those bottom six guys in the playoffs, very, very important as to how far you go. It's an interesting mix here now. You know, no chic is gone. Yeah. Um, they, 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 they bring in uh, Patrick Nolan. You know, We'll see. We'll see how he plays. They bring in uh, Brent um, Howden from from the Rangers, who what I've seen so far, I like it. But it's just a couple of games. We'll, we'll see how it plays. And and then and then who plays with who in this bottom six? I, I think there are any number of combinations that the Knights could use. It'll be interesting on on who plays well with who. I think in that bottom six for me. And that's why Patrick DeBoer and the coaching staff, you know, make their paycheck right, is because they're going to be ones making the decisions regarding that bottom six regarding what they do as far as the defensive pairings as well, too. You guys talked about this numerous times about, you know, where does Zach Whitecloud fit in the mix here, right? As far as the bottom six, guys like Patrick Brown, right? Obviously, you mentioned, uh, you know, Nosek was a huge part of that, by the way, for yeah. the last, like, you know, since, since the inception of this team. He yeah. was one of the key guys in that bottom six that was, you know, was always, you know, occasionally stepping up and, and playing, playing big time for them and scoring big goals for them, so... Are, they got to find those guys that they're gonna that they're gonna be in the mix there in that bottom six and that and that. Uh, but but when you take a look at them from a standpoint of across the NHL as a whole, they're loaded with talent, right? I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights. You, you take it as far as the best teams in the NHL. You're you're not gonna you're not gonna say too many teams have more talent than Vegas does, and and from a depth standpoint as well too. So it's a nice problem to have, right, for Pete DeBoer when you can uh, you can. Negotiate. You can talk about and uh, discuss and uh, contemplate what you're going to be doing with those bottom six forwards, and you know, shuffling guys in and out. And you got the guys from Henderson, obviously, that uh, that you're going to be dealing with as well, too, and that whole situation. So, uh, and uh, and that's going to be that's going to be great too this year. I mean, it's great last year too because they had they were playing at the Orleans, and so uh, it wasn't like they were you know shuffling from Chicago back and forth. They're going to be in town, so. The convenience factor is great. There are some teams, obviously, around the NHL that do the same thing with the Toronto Marlies, and you know, there's there's certain cities that have their minor league team in their city or close to their city. So that's going to be good for them. But yeah, I'm going to be interested. I'm going to be intrigued to see exactly what Pete DeBoer does with some of the with some of these situations. And I mentioned to you you guys yesterday, Robin Leonard. Okay, this is the first time really where I think he's had expectations on him. Okay. Mm-hmm. We understand what the situation was last year. It was a one and one eight deal with him and Mark Andre Fleury. Mark Andre Fleury wins the Vezna. I mean, it's in first time in his career, which is crazy. And uh, and yet they still, you still, you still have a viewpoint, right? That they, they were not. It was not a uh, Robin Leonard's the backup situation. Right. It was a. It was like we had we have two great goalies here. Okay, and a lot of times I I got to be honest, Stevie. A lot of times I was pushing back on that. You know, I was, I was saying, look, Robin Leonard, yeah. He's been he's been solid in some points in his career, but he's never been an all star. Robin Leonard's never been an all star. Right. He's been you know a very good goalie in spots, and he's been talked about as one of the best goaltenders in the league in certain in in, in certain time periods, right? But but uh, 
there's a lot of rose-colored glasses uh, people here in town. I think that were that were just you know talk, when talking about Robin Leonard saying, "Oh, you know this is this is crazy." Robin Leonard would start at any other team in the NHL, and he just happens to be on a team with Mark Andre Fleury. So you know, it, so he's kind of behind the eight ball there. Okay, whatever. But but the point being is that you know this is the first time where he's on the spot, right? This is the first time where there are expectations. You know what? This team can win a cup. You're going to be that guy. All right. Yeah, they have a backup that's played in the league for a while, and he's and he's and he's and he's solid. Yeah. But he's the backup. Correct. Okay. This isn't a situation where they're going to be you know trading off or you know especially with Pete DeBoer the way he handles goaltenders. So that's one of the big things I'm going to be looking for, especially early on in the season, is how they handle it. Yourself and Brian both talked about this earlier in the week, talking about what uh, is going to be the split, what's going to be you know is uh, you know is is Leonard just going to be playing. Almost every game, and then you give him a blow one game every few weeks, one of those deals. I'm going to be very intrigued to see exactly how they handle this. Yeah, i I got to believe Leonard's getting 55 to 60 starts, and then uh, Brissois picks up the other 25. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, because you, you, as, as you say, it, it's, it's a number one and a number two now. It's not, you know, 1A and 1B uh, anymore. And I, I, I'm with you. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Leonard handles that pressure because there, no doubt about it, there's pressure on him now. He's got a good defense in front of him, but he's got to stop the puck. You know, there, there, there's going to be pressure like he's never felt before at the other stops that he's made in the NHL. And you think about Robin Leonard too, right? He's not exactly like like a business-like guy. He's he's a, he's kind of a quirky personality, he's quirky. right? He's a different kind of guy. Yeah. And look, I guess we can expect that from a lot. We've seen a lot of NHL goaltenders fine. in history be that kind of personality, sure. right? Yeah. So, and and I think it plays well here in Vegas. So, I, look, I think he's in a good situation. Obviously, it's not going to be all on him. Okay, because we've talked about a numerous other things that the Vegas Golden Knights need to either right the ship on or they need to address mm-hmm. the power play being one of them. Yeah. You know what? To, you know, we we just talked about the bottom six. What? How DeBoer's going to handle that? As far as uh, you know, as far as the shuffle unit back and forth between between Henderson and Vegas. Um, you know, but yeah, you're the number one goaltender that 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 carries a lot of weight. That that is a situation where that is not the situation you were in. A year ago, not really the situation you've been any time in your career. Because I, you know, uh, call me crazy, but I, I, you know, I don't remember a situation where Robin Leonard in his career was the guy, and where you know whether it was in Buffalo or in in with the Islanders, you know, or you know, or even in Chicago. That's not was it wasn't the situation. So it's not like this exactly. It was it's not, not like, like this, this where you are the man under the spotlight and the expectations night in and night out. Right, you're gonna be you're gonna have to come up big, and that's. So how he handles that is going to be uh, a big thing as to how we judge what the Vegas Golden Knights do this yeah, season. Yeah, definitely a cup contending team. Yeah, you bring up the power play. Yeah. Uh, um, was it was it Tuesday? Tuesday, okay, looked a little better yeah. last last night. Not so much to me. What what do you think needs to be? First of all, were you surprised that Stott is still running? Um, Spot is still running the power play. I, I would have thought for sure they give that to somebody else. Or do you, do you know has he run power plays well in other spots? Is he a, is he a good coach for the power play? Well, I, and, I just and, think Pete DeBoer is most comfortable with him in that situation, okay. and I think that they're going to keep rolling with it. Now, look, again, we're talking about preseason, right, Stevie? So we don't want to get too, too crazy yeah. about it. I, and, and you're talking about a lot of guys that might not necessarily be there opening night that are going to make the roster, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, 
it, it's very tough to have to to want to you want to overanalyze it almost too much, right? In the preseason, so myself, I'm going to be judging it more in the first two three weeks of the season. That's where I'm going to take a look at it because we all understand what happened there. You can't be 0 for 17 in the yeah. playoffs. You know, uh, the playoffs are more than an extension of the regular season. They are more important than the regular season. And if you're 0 and 17 in the playoffs, that's horrible. Okay, mm-hmm. there's no other way. There's no way to candy coat it. There's no way to sugarcoat it. You can't do it. It was bad. So you, you have to make adjustments. And so that's you know that's what an, another thing that Pete DeBoer is going to have to do, and the coaching staff is going to have to do. And so. Um, me, I'm going to make an evaluation on it probably throughout the first uh, first month of the season to see exactly what it is. This whole stuff that was going on about you know Pete DeBoer saying, "Oh, you know, you don't need to analyze it until the end of the year," I think is completely preposterous. Right? Correct. Um, he knows you. That. You can't, and he knows that. But you, and, and but so I, I don't know why I would even throw that out there. I don't even know why he would even go that direction. But the uh, uh, the fact of the matter is, is that. It is absolutely something that has to get improved, or else they're not going to be in, the, in a situation like they were a year ago, where you're, you know, you're going through the end, end of the season and you're one of the best teams in the West. So, so what would that, you like? That's to my see take that? on that. I'm, 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 uh, for, as far as the preseason analyzing the power yeah. play, it's tough because of you know, look, you got you know, Lecision, these guys out there that you know, Patrick Browns, these these guys who might not be there opening night, and you know, and uh, Kolasar, these guys, but Polkar, it looks like. Keegan Golasar is probably going to make the roster. Yeah. It looks like he's going to. The way that he's played the last month, mm-hmm. and by the way, uh, our friends Ken and, uh, and Jason from uh, Sinbin, they tweeted this out yesterday, that uh, it, and they, it's, it's their opinion fully that Keegan Colasar belongs on the opening night roster, and I agree with him. I agree. I think that uh, he, he's absolutely, and for a number of reasons, we, you, we've talked about this on the show, and I've, I've, uh, I've been shooting off text to Brian during, during the show about how uh, impressive he's been through training camp and in, in, in preseason here, and uh, what he was able to do last year, too, in spots. So I think that there's no question that he's going to be a guy that makes this roster. It's interesting. The first um, development camp, that I saw in 2017, he was one of the three guys that really stood out to me. Tuck was one of the other ones I remember. I think it was Alvenis, actually, that kind of st- stuck out to me uh, in that development camp as well. And so, so he stands out there and then kind of disappears for a couple of years, right, in, mm-hmm. in the minors and, uh, and even at the AHL level, and then shows up last year, yeah. you know, in, in training camp. And, wow, where did, where did this come from, you know, based o- over the last two years? He's very. It's, I, I, and and then and now even looks better coming in this year. So I, I would like someone to ask him. And I, I'll never have the chance, but I hope someone asks him what did he do in the off season because he looks even and he looked good last year. He looks even better than that right now. I think it's a natural progression. And and like you, I remember that that developmental camp. Uh, it seems seems like it was yesterday, but yeah. it was four years ago now, Steve. You're right. Mm-hmm. Where they're playing up there on uh, on West Sahara up there or West uh, Flamingo, my bad. Yeah. Up there at uh, at the ice center there, and uh, yeah, I remember all those young guys: Keegan Colasar, obviously Eric Brandstrom. You had Nick Suzuki. You had uh, I think Nick Hague was in that in, yeah. in that as yeah. well too. And and uh, do you remember Tyler White Cloud in there too? 
I don't, my, no, White Claw came after. Own, White, White yeah. Claw wasn't. But, uh, but just a number, and Colasar was one of them. Do you remember and Tyler Wong? Just absolutely. Out of curiosity. Absolutely. Great little hockey player. Yeah. He, he just doesn't have the size to play in the NHL. I think he's playing in the KHL now, right? Is he, is he I, over I, in, I, in I, Russia now? Yeah, I believe so. I, that, that, but, but it has been fun to kind of see the progression of those guys because they were, I mean, but they were young guys back then. Yeah. So getting back to Colasar, you're talking about, you know, he just looks bigger and he's, I think it's just a natural progression for him. I think it's a situation where, and look, look, we've seen with they're, they're, those guys. A lot of them are in the NHL now. I mean, I, we see him. Nick Suzuki is going to be and right. is doing already in Montreal. Obviously, Eric Branstrom is in Ottawa. He's you know has hasn't turned. I thought Eric Branstrom was going to be the next Nicholas Lindstrom. You know, I'm kind of biased being a Red Wings fan and and being able to watch Nick Lindstrom for years and and uh, seeing the, the consummate professional and uh, great great defenseman that he is. And I saw a lot of similarities with uh, Eric Branstrom and him. Uh, hasn't necessarily panned out yet. Look, I'm not writing him off yet. He's still in his, you know, in mid twenties. We're talking about, and so. it's Ottawa. Yeah, and it's Ottawa. <laughs> so, but uh, that camp, I mean, yeah, there were a lot of players that uh, that have progressed and have gotten better and have made and have now gotten to a point where you're not just going to be in the AHL. You're not just going to be expected to be one of the better teams on either the Chicago Wolves or the Henderson Silver Knights. You're expected to compete for a spot on, you know, on the roster of your NHL team that drafted you. And so they're to that point. When you're talking about guys, young guys now, you're talking about, you know, the young guys now, like the Jack Dugans and others mm-hmm. who just got drafted last year, you know, or, or, or two years ago. They're, they're even talking about these guys making, yeah. making spots. It's hockey too, right, Stevie? It's not like the NBA or like the NFL where, you, where they expect you to go to college for four years and play on an, a college football team before you can even, you know, see an NFL field. It's just different in the NHL, right? You've got kids that are you know, 15, 16 that are playing in juniors in Canada and uh, in, northern, in northern, northern parts of the United States in Canadian leagues. And so I think the progression is different. Uh, but with Keegan Colasar, it's, it's, uh, he is, is as good as advertised, in my opinion, and he's going to be that guy. He's going to essentially take a lot of the responsibilities that we saw from Ryan Reeves a year ago. I think he's going to yeah. be that kind of guy. You talked about the chippiness. You guys talk about the, you know, uh, about being that guy who's a pest or whatever. He's going to be that guy, and I think uh, along with uh, he, he has an ability to score. He is, he's also an offensive guy too. So that's a good thing that, that they will that uh, will add to the Vegas Golden Knights. It, and what it they can looks bring. like one of the things that he did work on in the offseason is his scoring. He, right. he he's getting the puck on net now, where mm-hmm. that was a, a, a bit of a question mark last year. So yeah. so he's he's doing better with that. I I feel better just about the forwards in general depth-wise. Like I always felt like the Knights had depth uh, in in the you know in the defensive end, not so much in the forward end. It feels better right now uh, that they have a little more depth there. If someone gets nicked, they can call a guy up from Henderson who can plug in and 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 keep the train running. Yeah, despite the fact that they made moves over the last three four years, right? I mean, right. You, you sent out people like like Neil, and you sent out you know obviously uh, some of the players that they have they've they've had to trade because they to bring in the likes of Pacioretty, right, right and Stone and these guys. But uh, but you like the trade off. You like what what they've got in return, and you like the mix that they have. I, I like Mark Stone there as the captain, right, wearing mm-hmm. the C. I think he's uh, a consummate professional and a guy who you know a, a, a lot of players on this team are going to take the lead of mm-hmm. from uh, from the standpoint of uh, their approach to the game. And so it's it's going to be. I'm telling you, it's going to be intriguing this year, no question, because there is going to be a nice mix of the veterans and the young players that come in and. And uh, we'll see how Pete DeBoer handles it. I mean, I'm, I'm 
curious. I mean, look, Pete DeBoer, I, 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 I was not on board. Stevie, I don't know if you knew this. I was not on board with the, the whole, uh, how the whole situation went down. I was a big Gerard Gallant guy. I understand there was issues with himself and McCrimmon mm-hmm. and McPhee, and I get that. And, all, you know, and uh, we all understand what happened to uh, Gerard Gallant when he, when he was in Carolina, right? Yeah. That, that whole situation. Well, it's, uh, it's, well, he was the Panthers head coach, but in Carolina uh, with his yeah, firing, the way yeah, it all yeah. went down. Yeah. So, uh, so I wasn't too happy about that. And then you had the whole dynamic of you got the rival coach. You know, I, I, just, I just could never see it happening, right, Stevie? Yeah. As a Red Wings guy. I could never see like the Red Wings hiring the Black Blackhawks coach who was it was a good if he was a good coach or Blackhawks or a Tampa Bay uh, or excuse me a, a Toronto Maple Leafs head coach back in the eighties because we had, that was our huge rival sure and like and and just bringing him in and then the fans just being like oh yeah we this is great no <laughs> they would have gone nuts Stevie right yeah, like. Yeah. And and then pin that on any other big rivalry around the you know sure. whether it's uh, the Boston Bruins and the Canadians right, right. The Can- that would be the the perfect uh, hilarious one if the you know the Bruins brought in the Canadians coach after the Canadians coach had beaten up on him for the last three four years or yeah. whatever yeah. and you pre- I thought the whole thing was weird okay when they brought in DeBoer now look is he a good coach absolutely I think he's an excellent coach okay. But I just thought the whole circumstances were just strange, and I wasn't really on board. And then the way the whole thing with Gerard Gallant, and then I, but then I also had a problem too. Stevie uh, was with with a lot of people in town, especially some media people were like, "Well, yeah, uh, uh, Gerard Gallant. It was about what he was doing as a coach, and it was about his." Re-. I'm like, "What are you talking yeah. about? We just Stevie, you and I just talked for the first twenty minutes of this show about how the Golden Knights were just you know unprecedented success Correct. for an expansion team." So, like, this whole notion that Gerard Gallant was let go because of the performance of the team, right, or on the ice, or what was going on on the ice, I thought was completely redonkulous, yeah. okay? I thought it was crazy. Now, now, look, we get it. That's not the only thing that gets people bounced out. It's not the only thing that changes are made for, right? There are relationships. There are, you know, we're dealing with upper management and coaches and that kind of thing. So, I get that, and I understand that. And so that's and that's and that's probably why he was fired. We never got a definitive answer as to why Gallant was let go. Yeah. But I think that was a major reason for it. And so I wasn't happy with it. So the that that so that being said, uh DeBoer's the coach here now and he's been the coach here for a little while now. Obviously the circumstances with COVID nineteen a year ago, uh, you know, kind of messed things up uh from a uh cohesiveness standpoint for everybody, not just the Golden Knights, for everybody in the league. But uh, now there's no more excuses, I guess, right? There's no more uh, scenarios that present themselves where any coach, uh, especially Pete DeBoer, can say, well, I, th- this happened, this happened. No, it's, it's time to go out and actually perform and win, and we'll see if they can actually do that. Yeah, again, com- comes down to yeah. scoring in the playoffs, Chris, I think. It does. And, and that's, you know, they, they, they've had an issue with that the last couple of years. I'm I, not entirely sure how to fix it because they, they, they like the 200-foot game. And I, and, I, and I get that. I Believe me, I respect Riley Smith and, and, uh, and Carlson for the game they play. But you also have to have some guys that can put the puck in the net or you're just not going to win hockey games in the NHL. So, I, so we'll see how this goes. Maybe uh, Dodonoff can be that guy. Yeah. You know, um, maybe uh, maybe Tuck finally figures it out when when he gets back uh, in the lineup uh, after getting through the uh, through the injury this year. Um, I, I I don't know, but they have got to find a way 
especially in the playoffs, to, to score goals, uh, you know, for them to advance to, to where they are now expected to go. Preseason game for tonight, Stevie, as the Los Angeles Kings are in town here at T-Mobile Arena. There will be a ceremony pregame to, for remem- remembrance, obviously, of the Route 91 Harvest shooting. They'll be wearing a commemorative patch during the game as well, too. So it should be an uh, emotional moment down there at T-Mobile Arena as we honor October 1st and uh, all the victims and the families. It uh, will be emotional. I'll be watching probably with a tear in my eye. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, just in a, in, a, in a closing note, yeah. God, God bless everybody who, who helped us through that. All, all, all the, the, the first responders, mm-hmm. the policemen, the paramedics, the doctors, the nurses in town. You know, I, I come from a small town in Northern California, 8,000 yeah. people. This town, 3 million people, feels like that small town to me. Yeah. You, everywhere you go, you see, you know, people you know and, and like and respect and and there's there's that small town feel to to vegas and and i'm again um you know with october one i'm i'm just i'm i'm really happy that that i'm here the the, the, the people care about one another the knights care about this community just you know, all of us together working you know toward a toward a common good chris really no question about it and uh it's going to be, yeah, like you said, it'll be emotional tonight because, uh, and, and it, it feels like it was just yesterday. It's, it's just a matter of, you know, look, it was four years ago, but that's not something that goes away, right? We will remember it forever, especially being Las Vegans here in this town. So, Chris Wynn, thanks for joining me. Have, Absolutely. have a great weekend. You have a great weekend as well, too. Always great to join you. And uh, it's coming sooner than later, right, Stevie? Opening, you know, dropping the puck October 12th. With the uh, Seattle Kraken and the Vegas Golden Knights. I can't wait. Stevie Slapshot loves his hockey. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. AM 1400 KSHP. T.C. Martin is on the way. You're listening to AM 1400 KSHP. It's the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game. It's the best game.